BizQuick podcast hits on the struggles and advantages of being an entrepreneur. It's for anyone who's made the commitment to burn the boats and not look back. Are you a busy entrepreneur or small business owner trying to do it all? Then this podcast is for you. Corey and Julie will take you through the details of building a strong business. Hit the subscribe button and gear up for another episode of BizQuick Podcast. Hey, welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And today we are going to talk about passion and viability towards new business ideas. But before we start talking about that, I want to remind people how important it is to rate and review podcasts, right? So I think it's one of the simplest things that you can do. You, If you listen, if you're entertained and you haven't yet rated, reviewed, subscri- subscribed, yeah, you can do that with podcasts. Well, I just wanted to make sure I was using the right form so, of the word. Yes. You haven't subscribed yet. Subscribed yet yes. or given a written review, please do so and do it for all the podcasts you listen to. Honestly, it takes just a couple of seconds and it's really important to podcast host. That's actually what helps people get sponsors. It helps people get rated better so that more people can find the podcast and it's really kind of a big deal. Can I tell you a secret, Julie? Oh my God, I love secrets so much, Corey. I know you do. Um, so I have started in recent history, uh, let's just say this year, maybe the past couple of months, uh-huh. um, supporting people on our network by rating, reviewing their podcast. And I do actually listen to a few podcasts. I have them set on my phone to download. This is new for you. For the longest time you were only Adam Carolla. Yes. And I yeah. still, Adam, don't worry. I'm still faithful to you really pretty okay. much all the time. Cause I don't Good. But uh, I don't want him know, to feel cheated. I know. On. I know. Uh, he's been going through enough lately. He really has. I don't even know. I'm so far behind. Actually, I caught up. I'm in 2022 now. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> welcome to the new year. But people who I like in our network, people who I want to support, like mm-hmm. I'm not going to listen to everybody's podcast in our network. I'm not going to read everybody's blog. Um, I just don't have enough time in the day. I and like that comment with Adam Kroll is like I'm usually two months behind on his podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I, I'm always. It, when I find out like a celebrity died and they don't know yet and they mention celebrity, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but but I go out there and, and I rate and review people's podcasts who are in our network because I want to support them. And that is just an easy, simple, quick way that I can support somebody yeah. without having to give them money or anything. I spend 90 minutes listening to three or four podcasts, anyway. go out, give an honest review. I mean, it's always five star, obviously. but Obviously. Yeah. But give an honest review and say, hey, you know, great information if you're looking for X, Y, and Z. And there you go. Easy to do. Nice. I love it. By the way, did you know Larry King died? What? Yeah. I when? just, I don't know. I'm trying to find out. I'll have to use the internet to search. But I saw just, I heard the other day somebody was talking about when Larry King died. And I was like, wait, Larry King died? I mean, that should be no surprise for, for me. He's like 180 years old. Though. Well, sure. But like, I f- frequently forget that Ron, Rodney Dangerfield is dead. And he died in like 2005. And I have to remind myself that he's like, I just, uh, yeah, I thought he just, you know, retired. He just stopped doing comedy. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, when it, keeping up with uh, celebrity deaths, that's not my strong suit. Mine either, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the viability of an idea. Okay. Talk right. about it. Okay. So, you know, we have helped um, a number of entrepreneurs launch their first business. And, 
um, a couple of the people that we have worked with, their ideas were a little, eh, you know, and, and we I don't know that we were necessarily really on board with, I don't know if this is a good idea. Sure. So when somebody has a, how, how, do, how do you determine the viability of an idea for an entrepreneur? Like what is the best, obviously I know the answer to this because we do it, but I, I just want, want our listeners to understand if there's somebody out there who has this great business idea and, you know, this million dollar idea, air quotes being used there, folks. Like, how would we go about vetting or helping them decide or determine that this is actually a great idea? So the definition of great, I think, is where we need to start because oh. we need to really um, – I'm, I'm at a loss for a word right now, but we need to just uh, get them prepared for the fact that they aren't going to be millionaires. Probably they might be able to have a successful business. They might be able to have a comfortable life because of the business, but you're not going to be a millionaire. They might also have a really uncomfortable life sure. because of the business. But the, the by and large, like if it's something that you're passionate in, mm -hmm there's a very, very good chance that there are enough people out there who are also passionate about that thing that you can carve out a market for yourself. Um, there is the off chance that you just have a terrible idea. It, it's possible. But again, if you have that idea, there's people out there who might have had that idea. So now your market just shrank a lot. Um, and, and so it's, uh, you have an idea or, or, I mean, then you have to look at like the, the market in general. You have an idea for, I'm going to revolutionize socks. I'm going to make the best socks ever. Or are going to make socks that get on your feet without you having to bend over to do it. They feel like they're new socks all the time, no matter if they're... I don't know if I'd like that, though, because I, I like to have the... I like my toes to be... No. Like, yeah. The best feeling in the world is putting on a brand new pair of socks. The best. I don't best. think that's the best feeling That is the, the best world. feeling in the world. <laughs> I like, don't think ooh, you've had enough feelings. It's new sock day, people. <laughs> <laughs> I am walking on clouds. <laughs> um, but the... You're going to revolutionize socks, right? Okay. But here's the problem. There's a million competitors out there. Sure. So There's some good sock makers There's some there. good sock makers. I just bought a pair or a couple of pairs of Darn Tough. They have a lifetime guarantee. If you... They sound like boy socks. If you wear it, like, like they're good for hiking and that type of stuff. And if you wear a hole in them, you send them your socks, they will send you a new pair of socks. They're that Can you good. imagine what those packages smell like? Disgusting. <laughs> but the... <laughs> but you're... You have to figure out what your target market's going to look like. You have to figure out how large it is. And then you have to come up with a plan to reach, connect with that market. Yeah. Prove that you can be, you know, you can pro uh, solve a problem for them and, right. you know, go from there. So I it kind guess. of starts with doing, like, defining who your ideal customer is and then figuring out the, doing a competitive analysis? Yeah, you definitely want to do that. I mean, I, I just realized um, last week I was in... Charlotte doing mm -hmm. some training for the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I realized, I was like, I haven't done like a price comparison for like our neighbors. Like I was talking to uh, the manager down there and he was telling me the price of soda that he's like, and we went up, but people still pay. And I was like, I haven't looked at like my most direct competitors, what they charge for stuff. And like, that was just a complete miss on my part. Like I know the concept's great. I know the, um, like in terms of management and culture and all those things are great, but I you know what? Cabo Corey should have talked to SB Pace Corey. Well, exactly. But yeah. but but that was just a complete miss because it's one of those things where you 
you think you've got everything, but you step back and you look at it and you're like, oh, I miss some things. And that happens. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. All right. So defining the ideal customer and really, really knowing, you know, the problem that you're solving and who that ideal customer is that you're going to be working with. And then a competitive analysis are key. And I think over the next couple of weeks, we're probably going to dig in deeper into competitive analysis so that people really understand what that entails, because that's a little bit more detailed than I think people tend to look if you really want to have a good, good idea of where you're going. Correct. All right. Well, we are going to take a break and we will be right back after this message. With so many things competing for our attention these days, efficiently acquiring and retaining customers is critical for small businesses. And that's why we launched Certivium, the newest business from the SB Pace team. Certivium is a business created specifically for entrepreneurs who need a hand with customer service, customer engagement, and social media management. We are an affordable option that any small business looking to grow needs to help maintain the most important part of their business, their customers. Find out if Certivium is right for your business at certivium.com. All right, and welcome back to the show, everybody. We've got Kirsten Weiss on, and she is a author and paranormal expert. She's based out of Colorado. We're going to talk about uh, turning your passion um, into a business, all of that type of stuff. But before we start, I want to let everybody know, Larry King died in January of 2021. Yeah, so fairly recent, but still not so recent that it's new news. Yes, yes. Um, but <laughs> thanks, hey. Thanks for doing the research on yeah, that. Yeah, no problem. How are you doing today, Kirsten? Great. How are you doing? Doing well. Maybe Larry King's ghost will oh, visit yes. us during this paranormal <laughs> normal podcast. I can't wait to dig into this, Kirsten. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself so that they know what we're working with here? Um, sure. So writing has been, since we're talking about passions, writing has been a passion for me since I was a little kid, but I didn't really pursue it. I, I didn't think it was very practical. I went on with it had another career. I was working overseas. And when I came back to the United States back in 2009, I floundered around for quite a bit. And I just, uh, I finally quit a job, which wasn't working. And I was at a pretty low point. And I was thinking, what the heck can I do? And I thought, well, I'm going to write that book. So I wrote my first book. It was a urban fantasy mystery. And it was pretty terrible. <laughs> it's since been significantly edited. <laughs> so these things can be fixed. Um, that was at the beginning. That was sort of when ebooks were just starting to to really hit the scene in self publishing. Um, and then I wrote another book, and I got an editor, and I started professionalizing. Um, I, I quite by accident landed in a, a writers cooperative, and then from that I parlayed that to getting an agent and getting traditional book publishing. And now I'm back. I still have a traditional deal out there, but I'm for the most part, working with my writers cooperative, which is a sort of, it's, a, it's basically a modified self-publishing where a group of writers get together, they support each other, they edit each other's books, they help each other with the marketing, but we're all responsible for getting our own books out on the, the platforms of Amazon and Barnes and Noble and such. Nice. Okay. So there's a little bit more to it than that, though. You do some, you have some paranormal stuff going on too. What, can you tell our listeners about that? Um, yeah, well, what happened, I was... I went overseas in the Peace Corps uh, back in, God, when was it? In the early 90s. And I took a tarot deck with me thinking, I'll figure this thing out if I have nothing else to do and I'm sitting in the cold, snowy Estonian tundra. And I did. I started really digging into this tarot deck. And once you start studying tarot, it's this incredible rabbit hole because there's all these different 
Western esoteric mysteries, which are kind of attached to it. And I just kept unpacking and unpacking and unpacking and getting more and more interested in the paranormal. And um, I'd had by later I had my own paranormal experiences and I understand you've had some paranormal experiences, which I would love to hear about. Um, and so it was just so interesting to me that I, when I did start finally writing, I wanted to include magic as it was historically practiced and as it's currently practiced and try to make it as real as possible to build a more real world. It's, I have this idea, which may not be correct, but that if you take, if you take existing mythology and existing folklore and build it into your world, I think subconsciously it just seems more real to the reader, even if they're not super aware of, you know, Baba Yaga or, you know, or alchemy, um, because it's all out there. And I think, I think we, we do tend to pick stuff up even if we don't remember it. So I just, I, I find it fascinating. I was just, before we had this call, I was just researching the Solobuska or reading about the Solobuska tarot, which apparently somebody has theorized was, um, basically created for a black magic cabal in Venice back in the 1400s. And it's a sort of secret book of black magic, which would be a really great premise for a spooky mystery, I think. Would be. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Well, do you want to jump into business or do you want to just jump directly into the paranormal right now? I want to talk about the paranormal. Okay, I figured. I'll save the business for the end. We might get one question in. All right. Can I tell my story? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So my mom died in November of 2005. No, that was a big fat lie. Wow. My mom died in November of 2013. And when, I don't know. I I don't, I don't know. Um, There's eight years there. I know, I know. Um, So she, before she passed away, she had a couple of sisters who passed away and they would, her and her sisters that were still alive would always joke that they're, that the sisters that were deceased were playing pranks on them. Like they would hide their keys and things like that. Right. So, after my mom passed away and I was back home in Philadelphia at the time. Um, and she'd never been to Philadelphia. She'd never been to my house. Like all these really random weird things started happening in my house that just were like inexplainable. For example, I never ever used my front door and every, and I would, you know, my office was in the basement and I would come up and pass the front door and the front door would be unlocked and I would lock it. And then I would go about doing my stuff. And the next time I would pass the front door, it would be unlocked again. And I was the only person who lived in the house. And I'm like, okay. And I started to get frustrated. And then this little switch on my TV remote kept getting, it was a button, like a, a switch button that had a slider. And it kept getting, it would be slidden, slidden, slid, slid to the other side. I don't know. I'm making up words now. Slid to the other side. And so the TV wouldn't work. And then I would be like, well, how did that happen? And I would slide it back and then it would be okay. And then the next time it would happen again. And finally, after like a week of this happening, where it's just this random stuff, lights would just turn on, doors unlocked, remote control getting messed with. I finally was like, damn it, mom, knock it off. I realized that it was my mom and it just stopped. It stopped and I was so sad after it stopped because I was like, I shouldn't have told, I shouldn't have yelled at her. I shouldn't have told her to stop it. So now fast forward, like maybe like another week and a half and I go to Vegas for my birthday. My my birthday is the dis- first, first of December. So I'm in Vegas and I am there with like siblings and my nephew is there and my sister-in-law and a family friend. And we are staying in this big like hotel suite that has like three or four bedrooms in it. And I'm sharing a bedroom with my nephew and I, it's my birthday and I wake 
up and my mom is standing right in front of me. My mom is right there. Like I can see her. And I freaked the fuck out. Like I'm talking curled in a ball, flipped over, pulled the covers over my head. It was like, oh my God, I was so afraid, right? So I was afraid to go back to sleep. The next morning I get up and I go out into the living room and uh, the family friend is, has been sleeping on the sofa and he is in the kitchen with my sister-in-law. And my sister-in-law says, tell Julie. And he's like, you tell her. And I'm like, tell me what? And I'm like, you guys, I had the weirdest experience last night. And they're like, what happened? And I said, mom was here. Mom came to visit me in my sleep and it freaked me out. And our family friend, Sean, said, your mom visited me. She literally came to me in the middle of the night and she said, Sean, I need you to make sure that these kids are okay. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, my God. And I totally freaked out. And, and, but yeah, that happened. That happened. Yeah. Wow. So I believe. And then when I told my sister that I like basically did the duck and cover, first off, she got mad at me because she was like, mom would not be a mean ghost. And then she got mad at me because mom visited me and not her. And she was like really upset. Why wouldn't she visit me? And I'm like, I don't know. Like it was my birthday. Like stop trying to take my time away from me. <laughs> it was obvious because it was your birthday. Yeah, it was obviously it was. <laughs> and and I, I heard once that, you know, people are like you're most likely to see experience some sort of activity from someone who's died within like the first like 30 to 45 days of them passing away. There is when they're like most active. I heard that. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't think any of this is true because it's all in your head. It's that's not, what I believe. It's not true. The mind is very powerful. But anyway, let's get back over to Kirsten. Though. <laughs> let's talk about your paranormal experiences and, and what drove, drove, what inspired you to write? <laughs> well, well, most paranormal experiences really can't be very well explained. They're that thing you see you know, out of the corner of your eye, the thing that leaves you going, wait, you know, what was that real? And then you're trying to spin, you know, is there a rational explanation? You know, maybe, maybe not. Um, it's very rare. I, like your experience with seeing your mother's spirit is quite rare. I think, um, I mean, I've, I had this one weird experience. Well, it's happened twice now. So I have a sister who doesn't believe she's like you, she doesn't believe in the paranormal. So it's all in your head, even though she's had some weird experiences that she can't explain. We were traveling in Oregon. We were on the Oregon coast. We got a room in this hotel, which was, it, it wasn't a dive, but it was right on the water and it had this kind of moldy smell. And as soon as I walked into the room, I just thought, Ugh, not a great place, but we're only here for a night and then we'll be out. And so I woke up and it was probably around 530 in the morning and the room was dark enough that I could make out the shapes of things, but I couldn't see any sort of definition. And I saw my sister get up out of the bed next to me, walk in front of my bed and head for the bathroom. And I was lying there thinking, well, we had to get up early. And I was, you know, all the dumb thoughts that are going through your head at 530 in the morning. Like, you know, should I get up? Should I go see what time it is? Because my, my phone is plugged in over on the other side of the room. Maybe I can ask my sister. And then I realized I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard a door close. I haven't heard water running. I haven't heard a toilet flush. And I'm thinking, damn, she's a ninja. <laughs> she's so polite. And she is really polite. I'm like what's going on? And then from the next bed, my sister starts to snore. And that I, I did the shameful covers over the <laughs> thing at that point too. 
<laughs> and about five minutes later, my alarm went off and we were out of that hotel room faster than I've ever gotten out of any hotel room. And it wasn't until we were about 20 miles down the road that I told my sister what had happened. And she was also really pissed at me because if something had been going on, why the hell was I under the covers when she was you know, lying in the bed next to me and something could happen? <laughs> but she didn't believe it was a ghost. She was just pissed. Well, then we fast forward probably three or four years later. We're at a writer's conference. We're again sharing a hotel room. It's again about six in the morning. I'm lying awake and I see her get up out of the bed next to me and walk into the other room. And I was like, okay, this time I have to check. So this time I actually got out of bed and I couldn't, it was too dark to really, it was, there was enough light, light that I could see it was her, but she had all her covers piled over her on the bed. So I couldn't see if there was anybody in the bed or if it was just a lump of covers. So I walked through the whole hotel room. Nobody was there. It was, it was not my sister. So my friend thinks I have a friend who's a, she doesn't like to call herself a shaman, but she basically is. And when I told her the first story, she said, I think your sister is like basically astral projecting or, or spirit walking. And I was like, no, no, no. I, I was so sure it was a ghost because that room was so icky that we were in the first time. I was like, <laughs> no, I have, I'm sure I had a psychic impression that there was something wrong with this room. But then I swear to God, this at the second time when we were at this conference in Florida, I saw it was her. So what was going on? I don't know. I mean, I know I was, I know I was awake the second time because I got out of bed and was looking around and checking the bathroom. So I was definitely awake. It was not, I could have been hallucinating, but I was not dreaming. I, I, it's, this is like one of those subjects where it's like religion or politics. Like you believe it and there's no way to convince you otherwise one way or the other, because I, for years I worked in this restaurant in Blacksburg and it's the second oldest building in town. It's hundreds of years old and, everybody swears up and down that it's haunted. And the previous owner would say, oh, you know, I got visited by so-and-so. And I spent many nights in there by myself, late at night, dark, alone, nothing. And they're like, oh, well, that's because you don't believe in ghosts, so they don't come visit you. I'm like, no, shut up. Like, how the, the ghost doesn't know whether or not I believe in him? Like, the, the, that idea is so dumb. And so for me, I think it's just you wanting to believe that there's something else out there so you literally are making it up in your head that you're seeing something, experiencing something. Um, lucid dreaming is very real. This is all mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I don't think any of that is is real, personally. No, I, I think that's fair. I'm, I'm definitely not out to convince anybody. And again, that's the thing with the paranormal. You can't prove it. I cannot prove anything I just told you. I told my sister and she was, again, super pissed at me, <laughs> but for different reasons this time. Um, so yeah, I can't prove it. Uh, but I think it's, at the very least, it's interesting and it's fun to speculate about. And I, I'm trying to stay open-minded about it. Sure. And it's, it's, a, uh, I mean, it's a great topic. And obviously, you've been able to make a, a career out of writing books and, and turn that into a profitable business. And let's jump back into that because we spent a lot of time talking about the paranormal and nothing about business. But that's fine. So your first book was, you said, awful. And I think yes. that's a good um, a good lesson for a lot of business owners to learn is that you're not going to launch with the perfect thing to start. Like you, it's possible you're going to fail when yeah. you first start. I also think it's, I'm a little disappointed to hear that you've gone back and re-edited it because I think there's a lot of value for people to see the progression of your work. Now I understand why you did it. Right. But I love like our initial, our first podcasts are 
awful. They're embarrassing. But, you know, we decided right from the jump, we're never going to take them down. We want people to see that progression and how consistency and keeping working at something really pays off. And that that is demonstrated in every possible way inside of a business. So, but I, I get why, why you did re-edit it. I just, I wish you wouldn't have because, you know, <laughs> and then you can see like, this is what my first book looked like, folks. And- well, I, I know what it looked like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it is, it is a good learning experience. And I think, I mean, the lesson from that is for me, I think as a writer, especially you're always growing, not just for a writer, for everybody. If we want to be, we can always grow. We can always improve. There are always lessons to be learned from the work that we do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, for me personally, I want to keep learning. I don't ever want to stop. I want to keep improving. And I, every, almost every day I'm spending time reading books about writing or analyzing other people's writing. I always take time to keep for learning in my day. I think that's a very important part of being an entrepreneur is that continuous learning, right? What in whatever form it is, whether you're learning by reading or helping other people or getting feedback from pe- other people or even you know, listening to podcasts or audiobooks or something, it's 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 key for that continued growth inside of a business. And I want to ask you about that feedback specifically because when you're writing a book, when like you're putting yourself out there, like it's like it's a piece of you. And I know a lot of people take that personally, especially when it comes to business or, or anything, this is an extension of me. And if somebody doesn't like it or they say something bad about it, I'm not me personally, but a lot of people will, they get upset about that. And like, so how, how, like, how do you deal with that, that feedback, especially when it comes from random strangers on the internet or, you know, anywhere really? Well, I am a little bit thin skinned. <laughs> <to admit. laughs> it does upset me, but I try to be rational about it. I mean, it, it depends on, it depends on the feedback. It depends on who it's coming from. If it's coming from an editor, it gets a little more weight than somebody randomly on the internet. But I mean, there, I have gotten random feedback from the internet, which has made me stop and think, okay, did I make a mistake there? And sometimes they're right. So you do have to just kind of try to be objective and sort the wheat from the chaff or chafe or however you pronounce it. And um, you, you have to judge which feedback you're going to take to heart and and learn from and which feedback you're just going to say okay no I mean I actually I don't know if I should say this I got um a negative review from somebody who hated the way that I was referring to herbal tea as tea instead of a tisane and this person got really really shirty about it and gave me a (laughs) one-star review because of it for one of my other my tea and tarot series I thought this would make a really funny character in a book. Somebody who's just like yes. really knotted up over the whole herbal tea versus sustain language. So it's like, all right, it was just, I think it was, it's not a comment that I'm going to, I'm not going to start changing this woman's language or this character's language in the book. So she's always calling it a tisane. but I think, it, I mean, it gave me a good idea. So you never know where you're going to, what you're going to learn from feedback. Right. And you, not everybody can be your customer, right? Now, right. You're not everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> right? Oh my God. Uh, that <laughs> was proud awful. Of me? No, that was really good. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's like a terrible joke that I make. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> but the, I mean, that's a, a great lesson I think there for, um, for critics because you don't ever want to mess with artists because they can just take you and turn you into a character of yourself. Like that's the bi- the biggest F you to anybody is to write you into the next book or 
Yeah. I mean, of course, I'm not going to take this person's name. I have no idea exactly. what it looks like. Or yeah. I just, it's just this one thing. Somebody who's upset about that one thing, I think could be, it's actually pretty funny. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, feel free to, I welcome criticism. I, inter- I, Get tense when I first read it, but once I calm down, which usually doesn't take me too long. I don't. I don't welcome it. Like, good. keep it the fuck away from me. I don't want it. Yeah, you're not very good with feedback. That's not true. <laughs> Case and point. Um, I'm not very good with your feedback. Yes, I know. Bully McBullerson. Exactly. All right. Well, we got to start wrapping up here. So, uh, if anybody's interested in connecting with Kirsten, all of the social books you can purchase, everything that you want to know is going to be on her website. That's going to be KirstenWeiss.com. The link to that's going to be. In in the show notes yeah look at that you you were like oh abruptly i've got to stop because the next line is julius yes we have a script for the outro <laughs> we do so uh thank you kirsten for joining us today this was a delightful conversation and i had one more paranormal story that i didn't get to and i'm kind of sad about it um thanks to our listeners for tuning in we really hope you enjoyed today's episode because uh we know we did and everything about Kirsten is in the show notes. And if you want to work with us, connect with us on social media. If you want to learn about what we do, everything is going to be on our website, sbpace.com. We've got some free work, uh, free content out there. We've got um, another business that we always forget to mention called Certivium. You can find that on sbpace.com. Everything's going to be in the show notes, like Julie said. Yeah, and if you want to pay us, you can. We take, We gladly accept money for work as well. Um, we would love it if you would download and rate our podcast. We already talked about this a little bit on the front end, but it's important. This is how you support small businesses and entrepreneurs. And this is, you know, Kirsten's book, our book, our podcast, our radio show. Rate it. Review it. Feedback is really good and we like it. And by the way, we do have a radio show. It's called Defeat the Chaos. It's on every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business Channel. And you can always go back at any time and catch the replays. And don't forget to purchase our book. It's a number one Amazon bestseller. It's called Seriously Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. We've got a digital workbook download available on our site. And if you've already purchased it, please go back to Amazon, rate and review it if you have not already. Gosh, we are really hitting the review it hard today. Review us. Review us. Judge us. We like to be judged. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.